Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hello again, fellow diggers. Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock a production of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. I'm Christian Swain, and I am behind the mic in San Francisco. As the name suggests, Deeper Digs in Rock goes a little deeper, digging into diverse topics, all connected to rock music in their own unique way. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you love the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project, you can support the project financially via Patreon or PayPal. Please visit rockandrollarchaeology.com for the link. A dollar a month, diggers. A big 12 bucks a year, and we will put it to good use. Okay, business handled. Let's get to it. What is your tribe? In what subculture do you thrive? We've touched on this subject in the main show. Episode 10, we talked about the mod movement in the UK. We think the mod rocker thing back in 1964 was rock and roll's first big schism, the first splintering off. Episode 5, the one about Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash, we saw another split when Bob went electric in 65. And it went on from there. There are now like a gazillion rock and roll tribes, subcultures, subgenres, whatever term you like. It's been that way for a while now. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. That is why I have got to catch him this time. To show these kids that the example he sets is a first-class ticket to nowhere. Oh, Ed, you sounded like Dirty Harry just then. Really? Uh-huh. A lot of folks, oh, we are like this, belong to a few tribes. We love getting decked out with the mods. We'll bang our heads with the rocker boys. And we are not strangers to the psychedelic jam band world. If it's a live music scene, we're all in. <laughs> we'll try anything. But uh, all that said, in American rock and roll, there is one subculture, one tribe, uh, one cult, one ring to rule them all. 
the most devoted live music fans who have the biggest fun. Love them or hate them, <laughs> at least you can spot them a long way off. Patchouli and tie-dye in a flower power VW microbus. Yep, the deadheads are in town. Wave that flag, wave it wide and high. Enter our guest today, Amir Barlev. I interviewed Amir in May of 2017 about his new film, Long Strange Trip, The Untold Story of the Grateful Dead, available on Amazon Prime at the beginning of June. I had the opportunity to catch an advanced screening. Fellow deadheads, this is it. It's the definitive document. A sprawling, beautiful monster of a film. And dare I say, uh, lukewarm fans of the Grateful Dead, and even you folks out there who don't quite get it, you will find a lot to like about this film, too. You see, Amir's a Berkeley born and raised second generation deadhead through and through. But this isn't a fan film by some chemically enhanced Jerry's kid weaving his way across Shakedown Street. It's a serious piece of work. Amir Barlev is an accomplished documentarian with some really impressive credits. There's a link to his IMDb page in the show notes. Long Strange Trip is just that. The runtime is four hours, but it's technically and artistically excellent throughout. It's got heart, humor, tragedy, some great stories to tell. I can't recommend it enough. Really, though, I don't want to give anything away. Let's just go ahead and hear what Amir has to say about it. Hey Diggers, Christian Swain here. I am with Amir Barlev, the director of uh, The Grateful Dead's new documentary, Long Strange Trip. Amir, how are you doing today? I'm glad to be here. Thanks. We're fine. glad to have you uh, here in our lovely city of San Francisco. Now, my, my understanding, well, we'll talk a little bit about your uh, bona fides. So it's my, it's with, my city, too. I believe so, even yeah. though you now live on the other coast. I live on the, I, I live on the right coast, but I'm from Berkeley, California. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I grew up, uh, yeah, going to dead shows in the 80s. As yeah, I think you even start even younger. I mean, don't you Camp Win a Rainbow? Uh, I'm Camp Win a Rainbow stock, but I never actually went to Camp Win a Rainbow, I, regretfully. But yeah, I'm dear friends with the hog farmers. Uh, the, wavy the and all Wavy's that. son, yeah. uh, Jordan's a good friend of mine. And, and uh, there are other people in that family that um, have taught me a ton about rock and roll. They were like my, my mentors back oh. in the old days. I can imagine, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then you said your first dead show was in '85 at the sorry '86 at the Greek '86 '86 at the Greek, yeah, yeah hometown in Berkeley there. Yeah, so, very cool. All right, and then um, you go into film. Nothing to do with the Grateful Dead. What drew you to that? It's funny, um, you know, I hadn't thought about that in a while, but recently I was reminded of the fact that I came to film via light shows. So there really was a kind of a connection. I. When I was in high school, I was really interested in um, the old liquid light shows. 
you know. Um, I mean, the old school ones the old with the oil ones, yeah. and the... Yeah. And, it's, and, you know, I sort of sought out the, the guys who used to do that. Did you make And they were wrong? all guys. <laughs> I mean, oh, maybe, yeah. I mean I, maybe I'm wrong, but anyway, the ones I was talking to is a very um, male world. And these guys had, you know, this sort of proprietary um, methods of whether it's growing crystals on slides or uh, how you mix the oils for the, the clock face uh, liquid light uh, stuff uh, and other ways of, of creating these amazing effects behind the stage of these old bands. Uh, and so I, I pestered them as a young you know, rock and roll fan and I learned some of the things um, and I uh, started to have my own light show. And, and then I got really into editing, you know, like uh, back then that you couldn't edit on a computer uh, oh. so much. You, you had to edit. So like tape Super 8. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, so, so that led me to film. Uh-huh. So there really was a kind of a rock and roll. Uh, so it did start with music yeah. and the background of yeah. the music here. Because the light shows, uh, you know, these light shows came about, uh, you know, around the same time as the, the, as the, the, band. the yeah. band was coming yeah. about. So. And I got to say, you know, I've really just been thinking about this. Like... Um, Documentaries are this funny uh, sort of middle ground between art and journalism. And, you know, it's, I like that space that it occupies, but there's a tension there. And, and for me, there's always been quite a bit of tension in the sense that, you know, I guess my natural inclination is to be a little less journalistic. <laughs> you know, and it's hard when you're dealing with, like, I made a film about Pat Tillman. I, yeah, I, the, I, the I, Tillman story yeah. came out in 2010. Yeah, so I, 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 I tend to kind of have been making films about uh, serious subjects and you have to you have to treat the facts um, with a lot of care and reverence which I, I can do but what's been really refreshing about this Grateful Dead film is that I've been able to be a little bit more impressionistic oh the poetry I, shines through thanks, in the yeah. movie well yeah. thanks so I feel as though you know it really only occurred to me like yesterday that uh, or the day before yesterday I was thinking oh that's the first time I've gotten to do a light show in a film you know, so there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things that in the film that happen. We basically we throw a lot of information at you in a very musical way, and it doesn't make sense the same way a news story would make sense. It makes sense the way music makes sense. You know, where there's different strains of things and they're all layered on top of each other. And I don't know why more music documentaries don't do that, where you actually, like, it feels kind of like a light show or like a music video a little bit. Whereas well, it's, this it's, movie is nice, like yeah. a Grateful Dead show. I mean, Well, it's, I hope it's, it's a little synesthetic. It does. You know? That's a great yeah. word yeah. to put. Yes, uh, it is a little synesthetic. It uh, does remind Thanks. you of the, the same feelings that you got with this unusual presentation of rock and roll. Let's face it, these guys come out, they play long uh, sets, they uh, experiment out, they don't know where they're going to go. Sometimes it works great, sometimes it fails miserably, they're flying without a net, you know? Exactly. So you got one of the good ones, uh, the good shows, because this was really, really... And and I'll I'll be honest, when when I first got told, okay, you got to watch a four-hour Grateful Dead movie the yeah, next day. Right. I'm like, y- you're kidding me, really? Right, yeah, I, you yeah. know, that's a that's a big time. Oh, you're not alone. That 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 we I keep hearing that, and and it's and it's a it's a long film, but B very few people are indifferent to the Grateful Dead, right? So a lot of people feel like they got kind of repelled by all the. 
devotional adulation. You the know? patchouli. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes. so, you know, that, I, and I remember even back in the 80s, you know, it was sort of like there were two camps. Oh, without know? doubt. And um, part of my my goal with this was to, was to let the two camps become one camp, you know, puncture the, the, the veil between the two and, and, and let people who didn't get it, you know, who didn't understand. And, and I, and I sympathize with people like that because I'd be turned off too, if I hadn't already been kind of indoctrinated, you know, but like, so we deadheads were pretty crappy at explaining what was so amazing about the Grateful Dead. I still feel pretty crappy at it, but I cast the film with a lot of people who are not crappy at it, who are very good at describing things that are hard to describe. It's like talking about food or sex, you know, it's hard to talk about music. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, music doesn't usually translate well to no. the visual medium because it's a it's it's an emotional experience exactly. that you have to be in the room for. Right. But yeah. with this film, you've done a really good job Thanks. of changing the dynamic. The first thing that I noticed is that you're not beholden to the image and the sound being exactly the same. You you fly in sound from different eras with the film from different eras, but yet yeah. but yet it really works. Well, it thanks. provides yeah. another level beyond that. It allows it allows your mind to fly a little bit beyond just what's happening right there on the screen. So it's really yeah. really incredible. We're trying to give our audience a little credit. You know, I mean, I think people these days while we all lament that we have shorter attention spans now, and I think that's the case, but the, the happy byproduct of that has been that people can take on a lot in a short amount of time. It, I was talking about it as, as the kind of the family guy effect. You know how family guy just like, you'll say something and then it takes us right hand turn, it goes into some little tangent, comes back, you know, in the space oh, of yeah, yeah, a tiny just, amount of time. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think watching shows like that or just thinking about like people's openness to that type of storytelling now, t- taught us that we could tell things very quickly and we could actually have several things going on at once and so what we you know there were a lot of things that we did that I don't think you could do in a film 10 years ago and a lot of it is just sort of like a magic show where you're just sort of like you know after three hours two three four hours you're playing with a lot of different symbols you know so like for instance Jerry's favorite film was Frankenstein so yeah, we, which so is a motif that, that flies yeah. through so once the Once you have that motif film. in play, you can start to use it in a bunch of interesting different ways. And um, the other thing we did, you know, maybe this is geeking out a little too much, but maybe your listeners will, will, will appreciate that. We got a hold of the stems, the discrete multi-track stems from their music. So, you know, when you listen to a song, it's it's mixed down to just the two, two-track stereo. But uh, as you well know, you know, it's it, it's made out of... 24 or 16 discrete tracks. We got those discrete tracks um, out of the Grateful Dead's vault, so, so you could, could mix it could to remix, what you were and right. so that yeah. we could use the film, the music, like a score for our film. And that's one reason why I really hope people get a chance to see it in the theater because not only do we do that, but we actually sent it around the theater so that it's surround sound in 7.1. And uh, and when you're seeing this film in the theater and listening to it, you you feel like. You, you feel like you're in the music because you actually are in the music. There's a little bit more Jerry Garcia to the back and a little bit more Bob Weir to the left front, and, and it's immersive. And you won't get that experience at home, um, but if you can try and see it in the theater, it's, it's pretty awesome. 
it, think well, anybody's it, ever done that before. It, in, in a 5.1 setting, yeah. you you do. And obviously the theater has that. If you have 5.1, that's awesome. It, I'm coming yes. to your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and let me bring this up. Uh, executive produced by uh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, you know, world famous for uh, yeah. some of the best music yeah. documentary. Personally, I think the best music documentary. Also yeah. filmed yeah. in San Francisco, yeah. Winterland, uh, yeah. The Last Wall. Sure. Now you know uh, Martin has done things like that. I know Shine a Light, the uh, the last uh, Rolling Stones movie that he worked on. When he would zoom in to the various uh, members of the Stones, oh, yeah. he would bring up that uh, that particular instrument. So you know That's he cool. had that ability yeah. to do that. So I should have known that. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Things yeah, that right. uh, that, uh, that we don't talk enough. Me and him. I apparently <laughs> spend some more time. But yeah. but 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 that's great. So yeah. you know the. The movie is in some ways a Grateful Dead movie, but it's really the story of Jerry Garcia, the the son that all the planets orbit. Well, he's he's the dead guy, so we threw him under the bus. No. I mean, he you know, he, he <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that Jerry is particularly interesting um, because he put the band together and he he put the band together with a with a kind of a philosophy which was um, in some ways you could say without oversimplifying you can maybe say it was born out of his affection for the Frankenstein movies because especially that Albert and Costello yeah he said that when he saw that movie so I mean the the Jerry the Jerry epiphany that starts the movie is he says you know I was six years old I had just lost my father the year before Mm. and here was this I, and I saw this this dead thing brought back to life, the Frankenstein monster. It terrified me. But he says, and it's pretty surprising. He says, I decided to not let that control that fear control me. I decided to bring that monster close to me rather than run away from it. And he says that sort of set me on my path. This notion of if a thing repels you, if a thing feels not like you, explore it, embrace it, mm-hmm. embrace it. And that is why he's the center of this story because he put this band together out of these disparate parts available parts people who had totally different um, musical musical backgrounds backgrounds than he did Mm -hmm. Phil Lesh had never picked up a bass he was an avant-garde classical composer Um, Bob Weir you know had a he he's severely dyslexic and he has a very uh, you could call it off time but you know way of uh, doing rhythm guitar but in fact it's why he's one of the most brilliant, maybe the most brilliant rhythm guitarist that's ever lived. Because Originality. Because he has yeah. syncopated kind of style, which, you know, with a different band leader might have, you know, he might have been straightened out. And thankfully, Jerry had this idea of listening to, to what people were bringing to the table that extended not just to the musicians, but to the roadies who mm-hmm. were totally unlike the kind of hippie, lovey-dovey Myth that we've all come to uh, associate with the band, and in fact, we're like hard, scrabble, violent at times, you know, uh, biker types. It extended to the fans, you know, who all had a different way of connecting with this phenomenon. Um, and it, rather than sort of putting his foot down and saying, uh, "Okay, this is how you be a deadhead, and this is how you don't be a deadhead," Jerry was really American about it in a way. He said. 
we're going to all get along here. We're come hook or crook. We're going to figure out how to do it. Um, everybody had a voice. Everybody had a voice, you know, and everybody was part of the Grateful Dead, not just the people on the stage, but everybody. And that made it unwieldy and it probably um, contributed to its, you know, self implosion at times. But it's why it's still vibrant today, because it was sort of built like a multi-headed hydra that can't be killed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even though he's gone, it's still going on in a certain way. And that is why he's sort of the, the, the central figure in this story, because he had such a interesting and challenging way of not leading. <laughs> By default, in yeah. some ways, uh, you know, he, he was the leader, but he refused to lead. Yeah. And I, all things are double-edged swords. That's so true. When you get down to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it took them, what, uh, 20 years to actually become profitable as, yeah. a, as a touring act. And then, you know, in 87, they become one of the biggest touring acts, if not the biggest touring act of, yeah. the, of the late 80s. Which may have been the worst thing that ever happened. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's all... In a it's, lot of ways, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's exactly as you said, uh, Christian, the, the thing of a double-edged sword. And, and I think that's the Grateful Dead in a nutshell, is that if you start to apply value judgments of one kind to another, you see that it's always, you could be looking at it a different way. And that's the, the touch of gray moment was a great thing that happened to him and also a lousy thing <laughs> on a certain level. But it also is why we're sitting here talking about it today. It's got this cultural... Oh, it sealed um, their legacy. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Especially and, and, and because it comes 20 yeah. years after yeah. the start of the band. I yeah. mean, that's unheard of. Nobody else has yeah. ever done anything yeah. like that. If you weren't making, you know, profitable records uh, right. within five years, you know, you're, you're, you're done. Uh, but these guys had some magic uh, right. that nobody else has. Would you consider them the most important American band of the rock and roll era, the latter half of the 20th century? I separate them out from the Beatles, of course. Yeah, well, I consider them the quintessential American rock and roll band. And, um, and it's for two reasons. One is what we've already talked about, that pluralistic, that, that insistence on... on uh, on freedom and on on a kind of a radical notion that everybody's welcome, right? The Grateful Dead are kind of like the uh, the musical uh, Statue of Liberty, you know. Um, so so culturally, they're definitely like how we what we aspire to in America, anyway. But musically, they're also made up of a bunch of constituent parts. There's you know every kind of American roots music lent itself to the Grateful Dead sound. And, you know, um, and they made it work. They made it work, whether it was uh, blues or, you know, uh, gospel or uh, bluegrass or, you know, rock and roll, soul, anything. Yeah, they either incorporated they, yeah, into their the original American compositions yeah. or yeah. they added uh, songs to the set list from other artists. There's a third way, actually, that, you know, they, they channeled something deeply American in the same way that Dylan and the band have and Neil Young and others. But, you know, the, the Grateful Dead lyrics you're never quite sure whether it's a cover of, of an old traditional song or um, something that Robert Hunter wrote eh, maybe that's not totally accurate because you can pretty much tell that uh, it's it's contemporary yet it has these strains of well, I think that's a modern old. interpretation yeah, yeah, I think the further yeah, we get away yeah, from that your point yeah, becomes more yeah, uh, right, uh, yeah. uh, realized but you know there's there's there are things that we have in our you know in our American archetypical subconscious, you know, that Hunter and, and Barlow were able to kind of pull out and play with 
and you know you just feel like you're tapping into some deep black muddy river of American you know collective unconscious it was also uh, you know I'm all three of us have seen multiple shows uh, uh, there that uh, with these guys that, as is in the film, it's an adventure. It was the type of adventure yeah. that you could have yeah. in the latter half of the 20th totally. century. You couldn't ride the rails anymore, right. but you could see America in, in this manner. Yeah. I remember the first Dead show I went to in 87 and uh, the Shakedown Street, yeah. which, you know, that's the outside right. uh, yeah. events that are going yeah. on before. I'd never seen anything like it. It yeah. literally felt like I'd gotten into a time machine yeah. and moved back to the 60s right. for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like that every single yeah. time. There were these ideals that came out of the 60s and maybe they um, uh, they kind of fell apart in some ways. I think long term socially we've made a lot of these changes that were yeah. promised at the, yeah. at the moment but you could always go to the Grateful Dead show and see it in action right there. It's true and you know I mean one of the undoings maybe uh, partial undoings of, of, of some of the values of the 60s has been the kind of the corporatization of rock and roll and the co-optation of rock and roll and the, the 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 way that rock and roll has been sort of loved to death as somebody says in the film like jerry uh, yeah loved to death like jerry but i think that's a double-edged sword because it's i think of it as a trojan horse you know it's like just when you think you're safe mothers of america you know you let the you let the wrong thing in the house like this whole notion that like rock and roll is safe and rock and roll isn't going to you know overthrow anything anymore is only half right and the jury's still out in a way right so i i like the fact that people think of jerry as a kind of this harmless santa claus figure because he isn't and this story you know that the, the the dissemination of this film say on amazon to like millions of houses around the world you know to me it's like maybe we get the last laugh you know at the counterculture because I mean and I guess I, I don't want to sound grandiose you know it's just a movie but at the same time like you know it's an important it's, it's, it, it, their story is dangerous it is subversive as rock and roll is and you know you, you know when when you when you go to a concert that's you know sponsored by this credit card and that credit card and stuff you, you could forget that but remember, I, I, it's I think actually the credit presented, cards are going to lose in the end. It's actually presented by LSD. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so then we tried to burnish a little bit of that and and bring it out. And you know, we, it's a it's a fun story and it's not ponderous and you know you're not getting lectured to or anything. But I do like to think that people are going to learn about the Grateful Dead who may not have known and and maybe some teenager somewhere is going to have the same feeling I had when I discovered it as a teenager. Yeah, the, the, the movie plays straight down the line between those who are devotees and those who have no interest in the Grateful yeah. Dead but have an interest in either uh, that latter half of the 20th century culture yeah. or music, rock right. and roll in general. Yeah. So I think you know we'll get a lot of viewers to, to just tune in for that reason. I think that's really obvious in the film. You did a great oh, job of walking yeah. a very difficult line because especially yeah. you are a devoted deadhead. And well, I so the a lot inclination of people on would who be don't like the dead. They, 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 they kept your impulse. Yeah, down yeah. They, they kept me honest. Yeah, um, I had a guy tag team the interviews with me, so that I'd do some part of the interview uh, as a deadhead, you know, and then I'd have this guy come in and and ask sometimes the same question but a different way. And one of my editors, I think to this day, can't stand the Grateful Dead, you know. So yeah, it, it kept it honest, and I feel like we made 
you know, two films in a way, and we heaped them right on top of each other. And and so, the, you know, the people who, who um, aren't inclined to like the band are going to be seeing one film, and then those of us who love them, there's a lot in there for us too. And one of the best reviews we've gotten so far in Variety, the guy says, I still can't stand The Grateful Dead. He said, the film is enthralling, and I loved it, and blah, blah, blah. He said nice things about it, but he's, he still didn't come away loving The Grateful Dead, which I like, you know? I mean, it's hopefully it works as a film about the things that, that you're just mentioning, Christian. So was it originally broken up into six pieces? No. Or how did that come about? It just became... So, you know, uh, I started as an editor, and in editing, good editors have this phrase, kill your babies. You know, that, that's, the, that's the hallmark of good editing, is you can kill your babies. I couldn't kill the babies in this film. I, they, they squealed and, and begged, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't trim the film down. You know, I couldn't make the film shorter. It just felt to me, I kept standing back from the, the, the canvas, so to speak, and saying, no, I don't think the film wants to be a short film. And so it ended up just, you know, growing and growing. And to my surprise, it became four hours long. Uh, and to my uh, to the great consternation of the people who were funding it, because it took us twice as long to make. You know, so so uh, there there was a lot of sort of like banging on the edit room door. You know, I'm coming out in a minute. Uh, just a sec. <laughs> you know, like, it was it was kind of like that. I mean, they they were very patient in the end. So after it was getting long, you know, we we realized you know just that it wanted to have these natural breaks. I mean, I don't think it works like episodes. I don't think you can just stop and you know, watch the rest later, or you certainly can't watch it out of order. It's just like a, you know, like a play that has different acts. And the act breaks help you kind of uh, get a palate cleanse and then move on to the Pre- next Prepare course. for the next uh, course, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. No, well done. I, I don't think that there's a, a, a wasted frame in it. Uh, believe me, I, I, I would have, you know, I, I don't know if I could have digested four yeah, hours yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in a single sitting uh, if, it, if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't yeah, compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it literally was oh, kept me oh, going and, yeah. and kept me feeling like we we changed. And you know, and again, the, the movie kind of makes a turn after about eighty seven, yeah. which is unexpected. I mean, you know, you're going to get to it. You know, you're going to talk about the fact that uh, Jerry has passed. So uh, it's there, but. The, the way it came about and the, the complicity that all of us share in yeah. that was a little uh, a little astonishing and uh, a little taken aback. So, yeah, good job on that. Thanks. So let me ask you, you know, Jerry's been gone for 22 years now. Yeah. Um, what do you think the legacy is for the Grateful Dead? I mean, what do you think if he had survived and he saw... I mean, there's, there's hundreds of jam bands out nowadays which really didn't exist at the time of his demise? Well, it's a good question, and it's a tough one to answer because I think The Grateful Dead, at its core, is a kind of a ineffable spirit that's even bigger and maybe more complex than I'm hesitating. I think it's about something even bigger than music that's hard to describe and hard to talk about. But, you know, at the end of the film, Jerry says, boy, I hope, I hope this goes on after we're gone. And he says, I, it doesn't have to be called The Grateful Dead. And he gets a sense he doesn't even think it needs to be music because the next thing he says is, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am if it weren't for reading Jack Kerouac's books. So there is a, a ripple. You know, there is a, there is a kind of a, a ladder of, of human experience 
that that has a rung in, in, in literature with Kerouac and a rung in music with The Grateful Dead. And the next rung is, you know, a mystery. And, and, and I think that The Grateful Dead spirit is everywhere in, in culture right now, thanks in no small part to Touch of Grey, which is a great thing. And it's in the way that Al Franken is a senator. And it's in the way that, you know... By the way, you agree with him, 2010 Althea, right? I, I think his Althea... <laughs> you mean that? No, uh, 80, 80. I mean, I'm sorry, 80. Which Althea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was right about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I think, I, think it, I think the Grateful Dead is in the, in the bloodstream now of the culture. And, and I think that can't, the, that can't be... Can't erase Staunched, it. you know. And, no. and I think, um, you know... Lock up your kids. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So what's next for you, Amir? I'm looking at a story. Um, I'm, I'm interested in uh, something about LSD. I figure strip away the music and just focus on the LSD. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it is quite the game changer, again, in the latter half of the 20th century. Uh, I believe Sandoz and uh, Albert Hoffman developed this uh, two weeks after the atomic bomb is uh, dropped. That is actually amazingly interesting. And uh, in that era, the early era of LSD, before it was countercultural. Oh, you talking there about was the, no the Leary uh, Harvard experiment? I'm talking about before that. Oh, even before that. Yeah, that that's an area that really interests me. Great. We look forward to seeing that. Thank you, uh, Amir. It was great uh, having you today. Great at Deeper Digs to and Rock. We really enjoyed it. So. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thanks. tribe around the big screen, uh, preferably one with a 5.1 sound system to get the full effect. Novice deadheads and latecomers will love it too. And even if the whole Grateful Dead thing just looks a little goofy to you, this film might just bring you around. If I sound like I'm raving about Long Strange Trip, well, that's because I am. It's excellent. I'll wrap it up with some shameless self-promotion. We are far from through with talking about the Grateful Dead. Keep an ear open for more dead content from the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. It was a pleasure to speak with Amir. We thank him again. One more time, Long Strange Trip, the untold story of the Grateful Dead, directed by Amir Barlev, available on Amazon Prime starting June of 2017. I'm Christian Swain, and this is Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. See you soon. Until then, keep up the rockin'. Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. 
folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.